Straight from the hip, straight from the heart with Jim Chapman on 94.9 FM CHRW. And we welcome into the studio Bob Matz and Jeff Schlemmer, our two regular uh, contestants here on Wheel of Fortune on the News Hour. Uh, Jeffrey and Robert, nice to have you here. Open the Thank door you. on the right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I take that door on the right every time. Yeah. I want to ask you, fellas, I'm not sure that this is a left, right, and center type of, uh, or requires a left and or right and or center response, but I was just saying um, before we broke for spots there, I'm still confused about what's going on in April Wash. Maybe you guys can help me a little bit here. I, I, uh, As far as I know, they tried and convicted somebody for shooting Dudley George for killing him. Uh, um, Reed, was that his name we were trying to remember? I think it's Kenneth Reed. Kenneth Dean. Dean, Dean, I'm sorry. Kenneth Dean. I believe you're exactly right about that, Kenneth Dean. So they tried and convicted him. Um, They've had testimony from all sorts of people, conflicting testimony about all sorts of things, and now they have the premier up there. But what I don't understand, and maybe you guys can help me here, I don't understand what they're trying to... Uh, prove if that's the right word here. There's a lot of seems to have been a lot of argument about whether Harris said you know get the Indians out of the park or not. Um, it, it seems as though there's some great deal of importance attached to whether he said that. And and I don't I don't understand. I really honestly don't understand. I mean even if he'd said if he'd stood in the corner of Blur Bay and Blur and yelled get the Indians out of the park. Uh, is that is that some kind of a crime? Is it some kind of an offense? Is it some kind of inappropriate action on the part of the premier? I don't I don't understand. I don't get it. Bob, can you shed any light That's on that? The same question I've been asking myself over and over again. It seems to me the whole thing is just a political um, show for us to see. I think there are deeper issues involved here, going back years and years with issues about uh, the property rights at Ipperwash and, of course, of all lands claimed by certain elements of the First Nations. And so I think that's really what's driving the whole thing. Um, it, you know, to the average observer, seeing what happened at Ipperwash during that time, I don't think, and personally, I don't think the Premier has the kind of authority they say he has, um, or the ex-Premier, sorry, Mike mm-hmm. Harris. I've met with Mike Harris several times mm-hmm. in, in meetings with people around many contentious issues. Mm-hmm. I can honestly tell you I never heard him swear. I don't think he would dare do something like that in a situation like that, mm-hmm. you know. It's just not the kind but of thing. But even if he did. I mean, yeah, but even if he did, yeah. To me, the, the thing is, uh, it's a non-issue. It's not even a, a start or something else is going on. And uh, I don't think we're going to find out yet other than the, the overall political issue involved that's been going on for years and years. It's it's a publicity thing. Well, I guess and as it happens, I, I actually have followed it very closely from the start for, for several reasons. One of them is that uh, uh, Pinery Park is probably about my favorite place on the planet. I've been there camping every year since I was born. And uh, I remember that fall because I was on the police board in London at that time. And that weekend, I happened to be playing on the London police soccer team down in North York. And one of our um, players was called back to go to Upper Wash uh, as part of the um, emergency response team. Um, and at that time, uh, you may recall as well that I was doing a lot of protesting it out on a lot of protest mm-hmm. lines and all that kind of stuff. Yep. So I have followed it quite closely over the years. And I, I guess the I, I think that the broad reason for the inquiry is to try to move something forward. And that is because everything has been stuck in neutral since it happened. And and coincidentally, I, I wrote to the Attorney General, whoever he was, uh, uh, under the Tories in the late 90s, I guess, or early, yeah, late 90s. And I said, you know, nothing is happening there. That There's no negotiations going on. There's no attempt to do anything there. It's devastating for the local tourist economy. It's bad for the Indians. You know, it needs to start some kind of a dialogue. And even if you do it secretly, uh, you know, or something, but start 
doing so, you know, what was mm-hmm. the, was it Churchill who said, if all else fails, do something, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, and at that time he wrote back and said, our policy is that we won't do a thing till they leave the park. And it's like, well, they're not leaving the park. So it's like going nowhere. So to me, the purpose of the inquiry is to break the log jam and start something, start to move something forward. Um, as far as what's going to come out of it, I guess, uh, the, the, Part of the difficulty over the years was that the government was not forthcoming about what had gone on there. There were these rumors about the premier having been involved in the decision-making. It was clear when the government was elected that they were going to take a very different approach to native land claims, uh, you know, that there had been protests going on and so on. And the the NDP had negotiated a bunch of settlements with Indians that were quite controversial. Um, I recall, coincidentally, through a friend being at a... Um, a powwow in at the for the Mississauga band north of uh, north of um, uh, Lake Superior, and at that time they had to have all kinds of OPP security around because the government had agreed to give some crown land to uh, this Indian band, where it had been agreed that the reason they didn't get it in the first place was because of a surveying error, and there were death threats on the minister. There were like people were really wound up about this. Anyway, in the context of this case, uh, from a legal perspective, I guess the reason the premier is of interest is because it was suggested that the premier had effectively ordered the. OPP to go in and end the occupation. And if he did that, that would be clearly wrong. It would be the same as if when I was on the police board, we had ordered Julian Fantino to go in and do something uh, in a, at an operational well, level. There's a question for me, uh, from me to you then, because you have some expertise here. Um, I, I was surprised there was a comment made some time ago about uh, that somebody had been told throughout this that the OPP was not the government's army. And, and I certainly understand, you know, that they're not to be used willy-nilly, but where is the chain of command here? Uh, in, in, in effect, in my understanding is the prime minister, uh, uh, through his advisory capacity with the governor general, governor general is actually the commander in chief of, of Canada's military, but obviously, you know, there is a civilian in charge of that. Uh, well, let us not forget, the police did not go into Ipswich. Well, no, no, that's no, not they, what happened. Yeah, he gave the order, it never happened. What happened, as far as I heard, a bus came out of Ipswich. No, 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 no. Is that no, not, that's what's not happened? what happened at all? Okay, what happened? Well, what, but before we get yeah, to there, get to, to to where is that? I mean, who, well, if, if the premier of the province, who we elect to, to lead the province, yeah. if he does not have the authority to say to, to the provincial police, there's a problem there, you better go fix it, who does have that authority? The commissioner of the OPP. And and, and who does he report to? He, he reports to nobody, except that he's hired by the government. And he's hired by the Ministry of the Solicitor General. Um, the But we have this parliamentary tradition of separation of the police from the government. And Mm -hmm. it was news to me when I got on the police board, frankly. Um, Not that I would expect to ever be telling Julian Fantino anything about his job. (laughs) Uh, You tell me where to put it. Uh, But an issue like that did arise when we were on the police board, where um, the board were concerned about a strike going on in town, and uh, the board discussed what should be done about it, and and Chief Fantino properly pointed out to us, it's an operational issue. You are an advisory citizen board. You have no role in the professional policing that we do. Well, it's true, but but that's not the same as the duly elected premier of the province. Well, we're, we're appointed he's, by he's elected a, people. No, we no, but what I'm saying, role. but the premier is not, he, you know, he's not an advisory guy. He's the guy that, whether it's Mike Harris or Dalton McGinty or, or, or Bill Davis or whomever, you know, he's the top guy. We've well, said you're, you're, you get to run everything. People find it surprising, but no, the, the premier and the solicitor general cannot tell the commissioner of the OPP how to do his policing job. And the and Premier Harris says exactly that. He says that he knows that it, the operational policing decisions are strictly within the control of the commissioner of the OPP. And and I guess from a theoretical perspective, the reason that we have it that way is to limit police power to hopefully not politicize it. 
You know, that uh, mm-hmm. as much as we can in Canada, we try and say the police do their thing, but they're not, uh, they aren't the the the, uh, the army of the government. Yeah. Uh, it's the same with the RCMP, where we, we've seen controversy about them uh, announcing investigations during elections, like the one we just had, yes. uh, like the one with Glenn Clark in BC. Whenever the police are involved in something political, everybody gets on edge. And it was clear at the time, and I don't think Mike Harris would disagree with this, that he did not want this occupation to continue. Uh, he had announced quite clearly that he had, was, was going to be tough on Indians and saw this as a challenge to his authority. And and in the context of the time, you may recall, there were huge protests going on at Queen's Park in Toronto. There were days of action, all kinds of things. The OPP had been responsible for policing at Queen's Park uh, until uh, a protest that got out of hand. And uh, I don't know if you remember the guys who had the Darth Vader uniforms mm-hmm. on. They were actually taken off the job and replaced by Toronto Police Service people because of concern about how the OPP were responding to the protesters. It was a very tense time for everybody. But having said that, I agree with you about this, and that is that nobody has suggested that Mike Harris ordered the police to do anything. And the relevant meeting where it was discussed, uh, where he may or may not have expressed the strong opinion that he wanted them out of the park, everybody agrees that at the end of that meeting, the plan was going to be that they were going to go seek an injunction the next day and uh, and see where it went. When you say everybody, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that includes Dudley George's family. Haven't they been saying that the Premier had sort of caused this to happen? Well, they may not believe what the people who were at the meeting are saying, but there were people at the meeting who were not uh, complimentary of Mike Harris at all, starting with the Attorney General, mm-hmm. who was a good friend of Mike Harris's, who said he said the F word, yeah. uh, you know, and it must have been very difficult for him to say that, but he himself says, at the end of that meeting, yeah, Mike lost his temper and he was frustrated, but at the end of the meeting, our lawyers were telling us we need to go get an injunction before we do anything else. The Attorney General had agreed that that was what was going to happen. The OPP agreed to it. Everybody was on board saying we're not, there's no rush, the park is closed, there's no hostages, there's no reason to hurry, we're going to go get an injunction, we're going to do this the right way. And that's where the politicians left it. And as much as Mike Harris is no fan, I'm no fan of his, I've not heard anybody who was at that meeting suggest that he attempted to interfere with the police operation. Okay, we're going to pause for a moment, we'll come back and and get back to Bob's earlier question to Jeff about what did happen up there. Stay with us, you're listening to the Jim Chapman News Hour on 94.9 CHRW. Love him or hate him, you can't live without him. Jim Chapman on 94.9 FM CHRW. And we're back. Jeff Schlemmer, Bob Metz, Jim Chapman. Talking about Boston Legal as it happens, but then we'll, we'll, maybe we'll... Maybe why we'll is it so much more interesting on TV? Why are lawyers so boring well, in real life and that's so interesting that, on TV? That, that's why we started to talk about it, because Jeff had asked that. <laughs> I made that comment that, uh, that uh, the court is a lot duller than it <laughs> appears on television. Uh, anyway, Bob, you had asked a uh, question of, or, or made a statement about what had happened up there, and Jeff had taken issue with that. Jeffrey, what, uh, you know, from your perspective, what did happen? Because I, I think I'm like Bob and like a and lot of people... My understanding is no one went into the park, that there was movement in the other direction, let's say. No, what happened was, and uh, I again, I've, I've read everything I could get my hands on about it uh, for, for a decade now, and uh, somehow somebody, and it's not clear who in the OPP, decided that they were going to have a demonstration of force, and that is that they had uh, crowd control officers who were um, equipped with um, shields and batons who were going to go into the parking lot beside Dipper Wash. There's a sand parking lot for anybody who knows where that is, and uh, they, they were going to go there and do a demonstration of force, and it's never been quite clear why they decided to do that, but they they did it at about 10 to 10.30 at night and uh, for security because they 
were concerned that there might be guns uh, meeting them on the other side because of what had happened at Oka, where a, a, oh, that would be a, a good reason Quebec to do that then, wouldn't it? Officer was was shot, and there were. They, I think it's fair to note too. There were concerns by many of the locals who had heard gunfire at night and right, so on and so on because it was hunting season, and uh, the evidence is that there was lots of shooting going on. Yeah, but you anyway. don't you don't usually hunt at night. Uh, don't forget about all the all the guns that are running through reserves. The, the commissioner the of the OPP uh, now says <laughs> that he accepts that there were no guns anywhere near that okay. park, for what it's worth. But at the time, people didn't know, and so as a prudence, they had what they call the true team tactics, tactics, and uh, rescue unit on the side, on each side, with submachine guns to uh, cover the um, the crowd control guys. The crowd control guys came into the parking lot. Uh, there was a band counselor from the uh, Kettle Point band named uh, Bernard Cecil. George, who went out to try to talk to the police and ask them not to go ahead, because as far as he knew, they were going to go and arrest everybody. And he said, look, there's women and children here. You know, would you please just leave this for now? Um, he got into a scrape with one of the constables. The constables at the time were doing something which they're trained to do for crowd control, which is called shield chatter. And that is that they take their baton, they smash it onto the shield and make as much noise as they can. It's, it's intimidating. And so it's very noisy, raucous, everybody's on edge. Somehow somebody decided to take a swing at the band counselor uh, and started hitting him, got him on the ground. The uh, crowd control officers kicked him almost to death uh, when he was in the ambulance on his way to Strathroy. He had no heartbeat. Seeing that, one of the protesters, a 16-year-old boy, uh, jumped in a school bus that was there raced over to try and save this fellow's life. This was accepted by the courts, all the way to the Supreme Court of Canada, that this is what happened. Uh, another fellow jumped in a car and followed him over. As they were racing over to save this guy, they were running through the OPP officers who had to dive out of the way uh, to save their lives, basically. Uh, at that time, uh, Ken Dean thought that he saw Dudley George with a gun and uh, took four shots at him and, and uh, fatally wounded him. Uh, after that, uh, everything hit the fan, basically. But that's how it got started. Uh, there was a, sort of a general melee after after this happened. Uh, after that, the OPP withdrew out of the, the uh, parking lot. The natives withdrew back into the parking lot, and that was the, that was the only confrontation there was. Uh, so. One of the things I saw Mike Harris say yesterday, I've been watching the uh, live um, testimony on the computer, which you can watch through the uh, website, uh, that he was shocked to find that the altercation had been started by the police. Uh, and it's never been clear from, nobody has, has identified who gave the order for them to go in or why. Uh, at that time. So they still don't know that? No, and uh, there were a couple of reasons advanced. One of them is that during that day a native had thrown a rock and, and scratched a car belonging to one of the band counselors. So one of the rationales advanced was that they were going to arrest that fellow. Uh, another rationale was that they wanted, they merely wanted the natives to go back into the park. They were in the parking lot and that they wanted them to go back into the park. But it was conceded that they never asked them to. There was no way the natives would So if all them. of this information, as you say, has been, has been in court and has been presented and has been agreed to and so on what, what what are they trying to find out now again i think that the that the main thing that was never in court because as you point out the the court proceedings were at the operational level they were which constables were involved all of the protesters who were involved were all charged and subsequently acquitted except the fellow who was in the car behind the school bus who was convicted of dangerous driving he's the only fellow who served any jail time out of any of this uh, but anyway um the court cases did not deal at all with the operational decisions made up the ladder and the government uh, was always uh, reluctant to talk about it. And in some respects, I think they have a point in the sense that there has to be such a thing as, as privilege and secrecy when you're making decisions in the context of uh, an involving situation like that. But anyway, for whatever reason, uh, the 
the ostensible rationale for the inquiry is to get out everything, okay? It's like, put all the cards on the table and let, let's know exactly what happened. And again, I frankly think that part of Justice Linden's uh, uh, conclusion will be that Mike Harris clearly did not order the OPP into the park. We don't know who did. So do you frankly. think that will then push the f- uh, ultimate resolution of this forward? Yes. The, the, the inquiry has two parts. The first part is the information gathering part, which they've had now. The second part is uh, making recommendations for how to prevent this from happening in the future, which, which again, Premier Harris testified is his uh, hope for the inquiry as well. Uh, and they've retained various experts who have provided histories about uh, native land claim um, uh, resolution, about police procedure and so on. And they've all written reports for the inquiry and will and will testify about that. So hopefully, A, it won't happen again, and I don't think it will. Uh, and B, uh, it's to get some inertia going to try and get something happening towards resolving the issue there. Okay, we have to pause for a moment. We're going to return and change our focus a little bit. We're going to talk about uh, another judge uh, sitting in judgment of an ongoing situation, Judge uh, Jeffrey Flynn, uh, in his report that has been challenged uh, or, or criticized rather roundly in the community. We'll see what our guests think about that and what lies behind that as well as the Jim Chapman News Hour continues here at 94.9 CHRW. Not so very long ago, uh, Justice uh, Jeffrey Flynn, that's the correct term is it he's not a judge we don't call him judge flynn we call him justice flynn either will work but justice is the more formal one okay so he he was retained by the city to look into some uh, concerns about human rights abuses particularly sexual uh, um, uh, harassment at city hall although not not restricted to that Um, he released his report a few days ago and um did not name any names, did not point any fingers, but said that, yes, there was evidence that there's sort of a systemic problem there, that there's a lack of confidence in the reporting system on the part of the employees, that employees who feel they may be at risk or they may have been harassed uh, uh, do not feel that, that these uh, considerations will necessarily be dealt with the way they should be. And, and he recommended a, a variety of things that um, uh, all of them really focusing around the city council uh, perhaps taking this more seriously and the administration um, uh, taking this more seriously in dealing with it. Mr. Fielding, the city the, the uh, city administrator, has indicated that uh, he's fully in accord with this and they're proceeding with a number of initiatives. Uh, some people in the community, among them former Councillor Megan Walker, have uh, raised uh, serious concerns about this report. And, and I, I'm not saying that Ms. Walker has attacked uh, Justice Flynn, but some people certainly have and said, well, you know, why didn't he name names? Why didn't he do this? Is this part of the ongoing problem, etc., etc., etc.? Um, the, the question I have for all of this, I thought that to me it was pretty clear that because he did not have the ability of the authority to question people under oath, he also did not have the ability to name any names. I don't believe you can do that, can you, Jeff, without opening yourself up to uh, some rather serious charges of uh, potential charges of slander? Well, I think that the, that uh, you're right, and uh, as much as I dearly love Megan and Morris, that and it is Megan's job. She's the director of the, you know, um, I'm going to screw up the name, but I think it's abuse women's center um so it's her job to be an advocate for people who feel that they've been victims of abuse but it's a very uh, touchy thing and a difficult area of law about the privacy rights of employees and the i think that the real conflict at city hall has always been that some people think that some people there are sexist jerks and they have never named them and I think that uh, the trade-off is that we're kind of used to having politicians' lives laid out before us, and we ex- have, believe we have a right to know and so on. But the people we're talking about in this case are employees of a corporate employer. And the our right to know 
who may or may not have done something in that company is really no different than our right to know who may or may not have done something at 3M. Uh, the employees have privacy rights, and if the employer chooses to breach those, then that could be a, a serious breach of law. So I think that that's where the problem lies, and I think the people who uh, who feel they know who the problem people are are frustrated that there's no discussion about those people and nothing seems to happen to them. Um, but on the other hand, as a matter of law, I think it's correct that the city can't name those names, and clearly if they can't, then Judge Flynn, who's hired by them, can't either. Bob, when you... I think the issue, too, is, is more than that. It's a complaint-based system. Everything under human rights is complaint-based. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're in front of a court and facts on one side are proven or disproven on the other. You wouldn't want anybody's name out in a situation like that. And uh, unfortunately, that's what actually happens in human rights commissions, is that it's a complaint-based system, and and things that wouldn't be evidence in a courtroom are considered evidence, even hearsay. Mm -hmm. But one thing that's very different, for instance, is the criminal system. In the criminal system, we take it for granted that if somebody is charged with a crime, regardless of whether they've done it or end up being acquitted or not, we name them right from the start. So if somebody's charged, we also with assume they're innocent. Whereas in a well, human rights commission type of thing, it's the reverse. It's I know, but in this case, onus. in this case, uh, it's the opposite situation where not only do we not find out someone has been accused of something, we don't get their name. Even if it, even if the employer decides they have done something wrong, we still still may not get their name uh, because again, they have confidentiality rights as employees. And I think that that's where because it's city hall, everybody's got an opinion about it because it's just oh, it's politics as usual. We have an opinion about anything with politics, mm-hmm. but this is not a political issue. This is an issue of employment. And all we can do as people who are, if you're concerned about sexual harassment there, is to be trying to make sure that the processes they have there are going to be effective. And and we've seen over the years that there's just been unending controversy about that. Uh, they've tried a zillion different things and nothing seems to make things better. Our, our current human rights uh, complaint person is off on leave and has been for a long time. Uh, it, it, it doesn't seem to get better even though the people who are in charge there have all changed over the years. But at root, though, if on the question of could Judge Flynn go further than he did. That makes me very suspicious about the whole thing. Then then something else is going on. It's like there's some political movement going on. What about the people putting these complaints forward. Who are they? Do they have an agenda or something? I mean, even when all the personnel changes and the system changes, they still have the constant complaint that they're unequal. Is this just a gender equality thing? We have no way of knowing. See, that's the problem. We know some things. We know, for instance, that a woman uh, there was, uh, or a fellow there, was uh, was found to have sexually tortured a female co-worker several years ago. Uh, We know that there are some bad things happening there. Uh, But you're right, there is a political element but sure there is, because uh, if you're a right-winger, you have a very different view of what uh, sexism is than if you're a left-winger, probably. Uh, so those well, things that's all an entirely different situation, the, the, the case you cited. And well, surely we're not making all of this law based on that case. But a lot of, I, think, I think a lot of the anger surrounding this comes out of that case, and, and, and Justice Flynn did write in his report. He referred to that particular case and noted that the woman involved had had a relationship with the man who was convicted yes. prior to this, mm-hmm. and, and had had gone to his home uh, voluntarily. Yeah, this didn't happen at City Hall. It uh, didn't happen at <laughs> City Hall. Uh, the, these, uh, it's according to the Free Press story, it says the details had been reported years ago by the Free Press with the consent of the victim. But, but where that hit the fan, though, was that, uh, and it's a union, unionized shop for starters, is that when he came back to work, they put him right back yes. next to her yeah. and said that was not a very sensitive thing to do. Yeah. So yeah. Those, those are the kinds of things that are the issues. And uh, again, having said that, though, 
what what one person may consider harassment, another person may consider not harassment. It's like it's like how many Harlequin romances have been written about men who push themselves onto women, and the woman ultimately, you know, falls for it, and mm-hmm. blah blah blah. They have these fantasies of wanting to be dominated. Blah, they don't blah, blah. call them bodice rippers for nothing. Exactly, yeah. and yet so there's that whole thing. On the other hand, it's like if you come within an inch of being the guy who is the hero of that book, you're in big trouble in our world today, uh, because some guys have done some really bad things. Uh, so there's lots of politics involved in it, but at root, again, the, the most frustrating part, and I think a part that a lot of people forget, is it's an employee-employer issue. It's not a political issue for us all to debate. So the people who are suggesting that we have to name names before we can go ahead, they're going to be disappointed then? I think so. I don't think that they can. There's no way around it. And, and uh, you know, I f- frankly think that that may be something that prevents it from getting fixed, or certainly makes it harder, um, because I think that... Um, being held publicly accountable for your actions is probably among the best deterrents there is. You know, one of the things that, and we've only got a moment left, but one of the things that has always perplexed me about these kinds of stories and that kind of a work environment is I worked for a number of years at at CJBK at a radio station Mm -hmm. here in town. And I can tell you that if you'd, it's certainly I had the sense that if you'd stepped over the line even a tiny little bit and someone had toddled on down to the office, to the, uh, to the boss's office, that you'd have been booted from one end of that building to the other with no, no ifs, ands, so or buts. it wasn't every corporation and company I have ever been in. So you know, when, I hear, no question. when I hear stories like this, I'm just, I'm a little perplexed at how, how different that culture, either A, how different the culture must be, or B, people are looking at these things differently than, than, than how forget, I might look at it. Don't forget, in any government employ, employment situation, People have more of a sense of entitlement than they do in the private sector, where you have to earn your keep every minute of the day, mm-hmm. and that's why you're under I'm much more stringent, huh? I'm not saying nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Are you trying to beat me? <laughs> <laughs> Are you biting? <laughs> Remember where his paycheck comes from. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, Robert. I'm not talking about contracting out. <laughs> <laughs> so, at, at the end of the day, then, on both of these issues, on the first issue, the Wash one, uh, Jeff's opinion, and Jeff studied this very carefully, and, and I'm certainly not in a position to dispute, is that ultimately this may this may yet yield something positive. And uh, the, ju- the Judge Flynn thing, uh, it's an employment issue, and uh, the human rights element may be something... Uh, tangential to that. One thing about Judge Flynn, I think, I, I, I hope everybody would agree that he has no political axe to grind. He's just a, a, a senior judge who's highly respected, and uh, again, I don't think anybody would suggest that he would try to cover anything up or, or slant things. He is a straight shooter. Gentlemen, thank you. It's always a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. Bob Metz, thank you. Jeff Schlummer with us today on Left, Right, and Center, and thank you folks for listening. If you've got a topic you'd like us to cover on the program or on Left, Right, and Center, please drop us a line. Jim Chapman at Rogers. Com. Always pleased to hear from you. That's it for today. We'll be back tomorrow at 11. Or you can catch us on the web, jimchapman.ca. Click on CHRW. In the meantime, this is Jim for Bob and Jeff saying take care of each other. Mind how you go. And God bless. Bye-bye. I'll just see you.